Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Wild Puck Pod. I'm Jay Chill, and alongside me in this episode will be Jay Bing. In this episode, we talk about the Iowa Wild playoffs, an update on Wild summer targets, the draft order for the Minnesota Wild, and who to watch for in the upcoming NHL draft, how the first round of the playoffs went, and our predictions for the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. What's up, John? How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Good. All right, so we got lots going on right now in the NHL. Obviously, Stanley Cup playoffs are happening at this moment. But uh, first, let's start off talking some Minnesota Wild stuff. So I guess first off, talking about their affiliate, the Iowa Wild, and they're in their playoff game right now in game four of that series. They won... The first two games at home, they just smacked them. They scored so many goals. Only one goal let in in the two games. And now they're – then they just lost in Milwaukee yesterday night on a close game. Didn't have the offense they had earlier. But and then right now they're playing game four. So what are your thoughts on just uh, the Iowa Wild right now? Well, I think just in general, they've they've been looking really good. And I think – uh, the fact that the Minnesota Wild sent a few guys down, like Cunning and Donato and Greenway and stuff, they've been helping out a ton. Like Cunning right now is tied for the lead for Iowa in playoff points. He has three goals and an assist down there in the three games he's played. And like you said, the first two games, they were just on fire. I think they scored a combined 13 goals in the two home games they played. And so, I, I mean – for them being in their first year of even making the playoffs, I think that's pretty impressive. But just looking at a lot of the young guys, it's kind of cool to see them having some success. And they've got a lot of good talent down there. So I'm kind of excited to see those players eventually develop into players that we'll hopefully see on the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, so the three Iowa Wild players are starting off all in the first line. Now it looks like tonight they mix them up a little bit. It looks like Cunning and Donato are on the second line, and Jordan Greenway is on the third line. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how they do playing with other players because obviously it's a little bit of a mix-up of chemistry, but I think they're going to work pretty well. They seem to be adapting really nicely. Yeah, I, I think mixing them up within the lines I think is actually going to be a bigger help for the team because, I mean, they had the – the scoring going in game one and two, but game three, they're a little lacking. I mean, they only lost three, one. So in total, they've still only given up four goals in the whole series through three games, which is pretty solid, especially in the AHL uh, with the level of some of those players. I think mixing up Cunning and Donato and Greenway to play with other players. I think that's not only going to help them a little better with their game and developing it more, but, also, it's going to help the players around them be a bit more successful. Yeah, for sure. And just for people that normally know about the AHL playoff rules, it is a series of uh, best of five. So there's a potential uh, game clinching game tonight, so or series clinching game tonight. So that'll be interesting. Hopefully, they can just get tonight tonight's win, and then they don't have to play in Milwaukee again for game five. Um, but they're definitely looking like a very good team. It's 
super glad they made the playoffs and again this experience the first time in their franchise history in Iowa. So that's super cool. Uh, then uh, just some wild summer targets coming up. I guess we got the free agency about to start after the Stanley playoffs and everything. Uh, so who are you looking at for uh, Minnesota Wild potential free agent pickups this summer? Well, just right now, I think uh, we're going to have to give it a little more time, of course, to really figure out who's going to be available and who's going to re-sign with their teams. But, I mean, some of the potential guys available are guys like Matt Duchesne, who, you know, he had a solid – he had 70 points this season, 30-goal scorer, and I think – the Wild would love a guy like that. He's pretty dominant in the faceoff circle, and the Wild are lacking at a number one center. Some of the other centers that are available could be like Brock Nelson, uh, who put up 50 points this season, 25 goals. So he'd be pretty solid. Uh, otherwise, Derek Broussard's also an option. Uh, another option at the center position uh, is if the Wild are willing to make a trade, they could potentially make a deal with somebody like Tampa Bay for a guy like Tyler Johnson and he may not he had 29 goals this season so he's a solid offensive player but I think also that's a guy that's playing down in Tampa on a on a lower line with not quite as good a player as I think you stick him on on a line with some of the more skilled wild players here on a first or second line position have him be a number one center I think he could be successful too uh then there's also some other other positions that could be filling because one of the number one things for the Wild this year was the fact that they were having trouble scoring goals. So there's guys available like Jeff Skinner. Uh, he's he's a winger, but he's over in Buffalo, and if they deal with him, and his production was I think a little inflated this season. I don't know if he has the potential to keep it up at that rate he's going. But he put up 40 goals this year. And, I mean, there's guys like Joe Pavelski and Artemi Panarin available too that could also be big helpers, either scoring goals or even just setting up, being a playmaker out there. So there's there's a lot of potential options for the Wild. But like I said, it's going to take a little bit of time to see who re-signs with their current team and stuff like that and how much salary cap space the wild have after they re-sign some guys. Yeah, for sure. And I, of the free agent guys, kind of a summer targets list. Uh, I really like Anders Lee from the Islanders, the captain of the Islanders. He's really good winger and he's always putting up consistent numbers, which I think the Minnesota wild could really use. Uh, He scored 51 points this year and, I think he has three points in the playoffs so far, uh, but 28 goals this season. And uh, last year, I believe he was a 40 goal scorer. So he's got some goal scoring ability and just also is a very good leader, which I think the Miss Wild could also use, especially with the number of young players we are bringing in. So I think that oh, yeah, a really cool move. And he's from Minnesota, so obviously a little bit of bias there, but. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, a guy like Anders Lee, I think, would fit right in here into the lineup. And I mean, he has scored a lot in the past. And even this year, he put up 28 goals, 51 points. So that's that's a still a solid season. That's better than most of the wild lineup. So I think 
bringing guys like that in, I mean, I, I think that could be a, a huge help to the team. And like, like I said, they're one of their biggest issues this year was putting the puck in the net. So a guy like Anders Lee, bringing him in or, or Duchesne or Panarin, anybody like that could be a big boost for the team. Yeah, for sure. It'll be really interesting to see what the Minnesota Wild do this summer. I think they could, they're definitely going to make some big moves. They got lots of money to spend, which is always very nice. And, uh, the number of players getting back from injury, like Miko Koivu and Matt Dumba. Uh, I think we'll be off to a really good start next year. Hopefully everybody can stay healthy and everything. But uh, so last time when we had our first episode of this podcast, uh, we talked just before the NHL lottery draft. So Minnesota Wild did fall in the draft. They are supposed to get 11, I believe, and now they're 12, I believe. Is that correct? correct uh yes that would be correct yes so so kind of a a bad scenario i guess for the minnesota wild kind of tough luck but uh the chicago blackhawks at number 12 moved up to number three so that's kind of tough but i'm just really glad when i saw him move up i was just hoping they wouldn't get one or two because one or two guys are just like locks super dominant guys but uh yeah but so with the drafts coming up um, in a month or so here, we've got some players that are playing right now in the USA World Juniors tournament, um, such as, like, Cole Caulfield, obviously. Um, could be a potential miss a wild pick. Um, but he's doing so well right now. I believe he has, what, like, 12 goals in three or four games. Yeah, yeah, he's been on fire over there. I think he had like five goals in one game or something crazy like that. But I don't know. Like I thought Minnesota Wild were going to be in the right spot to pick him. But I think he's kind of proven himself for now that even though he's small, he can really score the puck in a, at an elite level. So we'll see if he uh, stays back. But I don't know. Some mock drafts I've been looking at have, have him going maybe top 10. But we'll see. Yeah. Be, it'll be interesting because I think – I think he would be a really, really good pick for the Minnesota Wild. Even though he's, like, super small and, like, I'm not too big of, like, a fan of small hockey players just because when it comes to, like, the playoff time and everything, they can't do much in terms of physicality and and hitting and everything. But I definitely think that if uh, we can put him in a line with the right players, that uh, he'd be in a very good place. Yeah, definitely. I mean – that, the number one reason he would fall in the draft would be because of his size. Because at five foot six, you're one of the smallest guys on the ice, no matter who you play up against. So that's that's kind of tough there for him. But I mean, he's he's a proven goal scorer at the level he's playing at. He's he's been solid, especially this year at the World Juniors. I think I think he's looked very good, and so. I could see the wild drafting him. Uh, but again, I, I guess it depends what the wild are necessarily looking for. And I mean, solid players available in the projected to go within the top 15 or 20 of the draft. So, I mean, whether we get him or not, there's still a 
a lot of available options the Wild could go for. Yeah, like I was looking at some of our mock drafts and as Minnesota Wild uh, picking Thomas Harley, a defender, uh, six foot three from the OHL. Also, I've seen some say Arthur Kaliev, left winger from the OHL, who's also on Team USA for the World Juniors. And then also I've seen uh, Victor Soderstrom from uh, the Sweden League, uh, also a demon. So it'll be kind of interesting. I think I've seen like every mock draft kind of be a little bit different for the Minnesota Wild. I guess they have different options they can take with uh, their needs and different positions. But I'm just really hoping that whoever we pick is not going to be the biggest bust. Like I was looking at uh, the Minnesota Wild's first round draft pick last year, Philip Johansson uh, in the second division of the Swedish league, only had seven points this season, kind of a disappointment. So he's got a lot of pressure on his back and stuff. Um, obviously he's drafted a little bit earlier than I think they were spo- than he was supposed to go, but uh, definitely hopefully we can get a good player out of it and see where the pieces fall in terms of the draft. Yeah. And I mean, also who the wild go for is probably also going to be impacted by whatever moves they make in the free agency, or if there's any trades they make before the draft, because that definitely has the potential to happen. I mean, they've got guys like Zucker or even Spurgeon right now that have a lot of trade value and their contracts are kind of getting a little closer to the end. Zucker had a little bit of an unproductive season. And on top of that, he plays on the left side. So trading him away would give a few other guys the opportunity to play on the left side, which is typically their strong side, some of the younger players. So that definitely plays a factor too. But I mean, referring back to Johansson, you talked about him having a little bit of a rough season. But I mean, he's he's still a very young guy. He's still got plenty of time to develop. And I remember the days when Matt Dumba was uh, not a great defenseman at all. And I mean, you just look where he's developed to. The Wild also drafted Brent Burns initially, and he was kind of a bust the first few years. And then they traded him, and he turned into one of the league's best offensive defensemen. So, I mean, you got to give him a little bit of time. You can't really just kind of base our our of where they're going to be based on exactly where they are right now. So. I think that'll be interesting to watch in the future. Yeah, for sure. So now I guess coming up to the grand finale, the thing most people probably want to hear about going on right now in the NHL, Stanley Cup playoffs. So first round just finished up. It's quite the first round for the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs this year. Lots of upsets, lots of surprises, and uh, lots of excitement and uh, controversial calls, I guess you could say. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, I guess let's just go through uh, each game or each series and uh, just kind of talk about what stood out to us, what surprised us, and everything. So starting off with the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Wild Card Two team, uh, they played the Tampa Bay Lightning, who was the number one seed and the Presidential Trophy Award winners. What did you think about that series? I mean, 
I, I, I believe I'm speaking for just about everyone watching that series. But I'm still a little bit in shock at what happened. I mean, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning this year during the regular season were nearly unstoppable. They didn't lose more than two games in a row all season. And then they dropped four to the essentially the lowest seeded team in the playoffs. And that was just amazing to me. But I mean, Columbus really pulled it together. And I think, I think Tampa Bay, I mean, they came out fast. Their first game, they put up three goals in the first period. Their first goal of the playoffs was shorthanded breakaway. And I mean, they came out fast, but I think after that, they kind of sat back. They're like, this is going to be easy. And I think that really cost them. And I think the coach is a bit inexperienced there. I don't think he'd really been in a position like that before. So I think, I, I think it was just a little bit, it was a combination of Columbus really stepping up and a lot of the guys like Cam Atkinson down there really rallying his team uh, to, to help them with the major upset. And Tampa just kind of sat back in disbelief, kind of acting like the series was, going to be easy and I think that's what essentially cost them yeah I was in shock about that series I cannot believe it especially watching the first game I was like three goals already like in the first period I was like yeah this game is over and like I was watching the game and uh my roommate like saw me watch it and was like I got the check it's all done and I was like you you have no idea what you're talking about like just stop. But then, like, I went off to, like, an intramural game or something and came back and, like, looked at my phone, and it was 4-3. I was like, oh, my gosh. I cannot believe this happened. But then that's just that's just kind of the story of how the series went. I mean, kind of after that first game, I think Tampa Bay just kind of went in shock, like, oh, no, the wild card, too, just beat us. They were the best team in the league. And we set so many records this season. And they kind of caught them on their heels, and they just proved themselves. I mean – 4-0 is – that's crazy. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I did not expect that whatsoever. I, I expected it to be the complete opposite. But credits to the Blue Jackets for that. That was that was pretty crazy. But, I mean, yeah. also a presidential trophy curse had to happen at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the, the thing was that that Tampa Bay team did look really good. But it, it's just what happens. I mean – Bobrovsky got hot in net going in, and I mean, he start in game one, but he picked it up from there, and they kind of just didn't look back. And like I said, Tampa Bay was, I think, just as much in shock as everyone else watching. Just uh, it just didn't work out for them, and they kind of lost control of the series after they lost both home games. Yeah, so. That was pretty crazy to start off. But uh, next, we got Boston Bruins being the Toronto Maple Leafs, 4-3 to three in the series. That was crazy. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, that one, I knew that was going to be probably one of the closest series of the first round. And it definitely, I thought it lived up to the hype. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately for Toronto, it didn't end up the way they wanted it. Ended up similar result to last year, losing in game seven to Boston. But I mean, overall, that was a solid series. Those two teams were matched up pretty evenly. Uh, I think, I think the downfall for 
Toronto was a combination of uh, they had a little bit of they they allowed a few soft goals. I think that they probably wanted back, and also I I really think that D after the first few games they really stepped up and they shut down Tavares and that line, and I think that was a huge factor in the series. And I mean he did score in game seven and stuff. And so it's not like he was a no factor or anything, but he was definitely less of a factor after Boston stepped up their D. And I think that was definitely a huge help in them winning the series. Yeah, that was a very fun series to watch. I really enjoyed watching that series. Probably one of the most exciting uh, matchups there. But I definitely wanted uh, the Leafs to win that series. But I had, I think in my bracket challenge, I had uh, the Leafs being the Bruins in game seven. So I was pretty close and I knew it was going to be a close series. They're very evenly matched teams, but that was, that was a really fun series to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely. So next we had uh, the Carolina Hurricanes beating the Washington Capitals four to three in game seven in overtime. Yeah, this, this series was crazy from the start and Washington came out hot Washington in their first two games at home it it was loud it was crazy Ovechkin got right into it in game one and I mean he was he was really leading that team but when it went to Carolina in game three and four the momentum just totally flipped that that Carolina crowd was so insane they were they were so loud they were so excited to finally have playoff hockey back in Carolina and it really showed. And I think that really helped to power the team. And I, I think it helped a lot of other guys step up because I think what really helped them during the regular season was Sebastian Ajo kind of leading them in their scoring department and making plays and everything. But in the playoffs, I think the, the D of Washington really locked down on him. And I think the other lines really helped step up and, really helped that team carry through. And I definitely, I didn't expect a game seven in that series, but that, that game seven finish too was, I mean, it was crazy double overtime game seven and the playoffs is, is always going to be crazy, but I mean, the whole game seven overtime, it just looked like Washington didn't want it. It looked like Carolina wanted it way more. They were skating harder. They were trying more. And I think, that really ended up being the downfall of the Caps in that final game. They just looked kind of out of it. They looked very lazy, very sloppy, and it cost them. Yeah, definitely it was a crazy finish in that game. But I think, kind of like you said, the Capitals started off 2-0 in the series, went to Carolina, and the fans were unreal. I mean, they, they knew they wanted to play off hockey. Lots of them never really seen it. Um, and I think it just kind of helped the players realize, like, you know, we we got this far in the playoffs. You push so hard to make the playoffs, and let's actually do something in the playoffs. And all the games were won at home until that last game in Washington, game seven, and the Carolina Hurricanes finally just were able to push through that um, away game and just finish it off in a very exciting fashion, so. Also, um, just kind of talking about that series, um, what did you think of 
Ovechkin uh, dropping the gloves with Svechnikov. I I mean I didn't expect it, but Ovechkin's a, a he's one of the most passionate players in the NHL. He gets really involved in the games. He's very emotional. I mean he loves playing the game, and I mean I think he's really just trying to get his team fired up. And it's unfortunate that Svechnikov ended up getting knocked out of the series. Uh, I mean, it's tough. I don't think Ovechkin had any intention of injuring him. But, but yeah, I mean, that's just how Ovechkin plays. He's always very – he's a very physical player. He's always in the scrums and stuff in the corner. He's, he loves being involved. He loves firing up his team. And I think that's kind of really what fueled everything leading up to that fight. Yeah, he's definitely a passionate player. And you can kind of see it last year when he- – Finally, won a Stanley Cup for the first time. <laughs> He's yeah. His he just gets it going. His adrenaline just goes. And when he asked Sveshnikov to fight or whatever, I was I was surprised that Sveshnikov wanted to go. But I mean, it's the playoffs, and I kind of guess like he's a rookie. I mean, what what else would you kind of say? You're trying to get your team going and stuff, and it's the playoffs. You only really know. But I don't know. I was really surprised. I mean, he's like 19 years old or whatever. <laughs> and the same guy yeah. Colby was just like, oh gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's another one of those things. Just like Ovi was trying to get the Caps fired up, I think Svechnikov was trying to do the same for his team. And like like I said, it's unfortunate for him that it ended the way it did. But, I mean, that's hockey. It's part of the game. There, I don't think there was really intent to end on that play, but I think that that's just kind of how it ended up. But, yeah, as, as a young guy and – I mean, Svechnikov's not exactly small, but Ovechkin is – he's a big dude. So so that, I think that was a little bit of a mismatch there. But, you know, like I said, playoff hockey, trying to get your team fired up. Yeah. All right. So then the last one in the East, the New York Islanders swept the Pittsburgh Penguins 4-0 in that series. Yeah, I mean – a lot of people were very surprised by this. I didn't necessarily expect the series to be a sweep, but I I knew I, the Islanders are a good team this year. They're a very good team. They're only second in their division to the Capitals. And, I mean, I think everybody's still a little bit high on Pittsburgh from when they went back-to-back uh, with the win in the Stanley Cup. But, I mean – the Islanders are the better team. They're the higher seeded team. And they, they went in and they stepped up and they really showed that they were the better team. I thought, and uh, like I said, a lot of people were surprised by it, but I, I really thought, you know, you got guys like Anders lead stuff, leading that team and their, their goalie got, I mean, Pittsburgh just, I don't think they wanted it as bad. I don't think they were excited or as excited as New York. And I think that eventually led to the the sweep by the Islanders. Yeah, I would agree with that. I didn't necessarily expect a sweep as well, um, but I knew New York Islanders, they're kind of a dark horse team in this, or so far in this year, even though they're the number two seed, people like really didn't really think they're going to be very good this year. I didn't, I know, especially after they lost Tavares or whatever. Um, Barry Trotz left the Caps, started coaching them. 
I mean, I didn't think that'd be a huge factor at the moment, but I mean, they've got some players that are really stepping up for their team and, and they have some very good hockey players on their team. Yeah, absolutely. So going to the west side, we have the Colorado Avalanche being the Calgary Flames 4-1. to one. Calgary started off at home uh, winning game one, and then the Habs won four straight, I believe, in that series. Yeah, that one, major downfall for Calgary there. Calgary was a great team during the regular season, but Calgary's main – they're – their uh, main threat is the fact that they can score and they can score a lot of goals. And I think the Avalanche's D stepped up. They played really stingy, didn't allow a lot of great scoring chances. And that ended up making Calgary kind of frustrated and they, they just had trouble scoring the whole series. And I, I mean, Calgary's, I think Calgary's defensive side of the game is not necessarily as strong, especially against a team like the Avalanche, uh, who are coming off a, a hot end of the season too. And their their goalie was playing solid too. So I think that one, I mean, a little bit of a surprise, but but I mean, Colorado ended up showing they were the better team. They had guys like Landeskog and McKinnon, you can never count them out because they're some stellar players. They provide a lot of offense, a lot of help for that team. And I think the struggle for the Avalanche, especially with their push for the playoffs, is that Landeskog didn't get back till late in the season. And, but when he came back, he was back in full force and really carried that team into the playoffs. And I think he was a beast in the first round too and really helped to fuel that team through the first round. Yeah, I was kind of surprised with that series. I thought um, coming off such a good season for the Flames, I thought they would win that one. Obviously, I think it would have been close. Like you said, Lannisgog was out for the end of the season and then finally came back, and that's when they started to make their run. But I I mean, I still expected the Flames to kind of come out of that one. But, I mean, the Avalanche are a really fast team. Like you said, McKinnon and Lannisgog, some pretty fast players and young players on that team. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Calgary, there were some pretty close games. Like, I think there's two overtimes in that series, and Avalanche just – they just got it done. They just wanted it a little bit more than Calgary. But, yeah, so Avalanche moving on in that one. And then uh, next game or next series we had was the San Jose Sharks versus the Las Vegas Golden Knights. That one was – Four to three in favor of the San Jose Sharks in Game Seven, overtime. Yes, and I mean, just to start off talking about that series, I mean, you could just talk about Game Seven and the finish to that one. That was one of the most unreal third periods I've ever seen in my life. One of the most ridiculous comebacks. I mean, it's the Stanley Cup playoffs, and anything can happen, but. I've never seen anything like that. Vegas with a 3-0 lead, 10 minutes left in the game. They Vegas gets called on a, a very questionable uh, game misconduct there. And San Jose jumped right in, scored within the first 10 seconds of the, the major power play. And, 
and they they kind of just went from there. The fans got into it. That team just really got fired up after that, put up on the power play, tying an NHL record, and Vegas found a way to tie it late, but in the end, it, it just wasn't enough. And I think you could talk all you want about how, you know, a team should never allow four power play goals in that span of time. That That is ridiculous, absolutely. But I do think the the major most major factor in that was the penalty call because you don't you don't call that a major you just call it a normal cross check that's two minutes uh san jose scores even in that first 10 seconds boom power play over nine minutes left in the game still a two-goal game for vegas i think vegas finishes that one out but just going beyond game seven i Vegas looked like the better team through much of the series. San Jose has the power to, to have like a little bit of quick attacks. Like when they get that puck moving on the rush going into the zone, they're, they're a very dangerous team. But overall, I thought Vegas did a very good job shutting them down for a good chunk of the series. And I think Vegas just had a hard time finishing game six. They, they lost on a shorthanded goal in double overtime and, I mean, that should never happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, that's a big deal. If, if they, they should have won that game, that would, series would have been over. Probably should have won game seven, but, you know, is what it is. There's always going to be bad calls. It's always going to be that factor in the game. And I think San Jose took advantage of that, and, and that's why they're moving on. Yeah, that was a crazy series, to say the least. Vegas up three to one in that series. Um, definitely, probably my most exciting uh, series to watch in the West. But yeah, like you said, the whole series beyond Game Seven was definitely a battle for each team. Just a lot of bad blood between those two teams. Um, and like you said, I think Vegas was the better team. Unfortunate for them, they didn't come out of the series uh, with the win, but. Um, like like you said, um, San Jose is kind of a scrappy team. I think they, they have some blue liners that just kind of launch it in there and then have their centerman kind of just dig the puck in. But uh, yeah, that's, that's just how they play hockey in San Jose. And you know what? The, the strategy works for them. Having, having a duo like Brent Burns and Eric Carlson at the point together, I mean, the offensive threat on that is unreal. It's almost like having five forwards on the ice. And the defensive side of the game might not be as good when that pairing's on the ice. But, I mean, a, a lot of the time they're just able to maintain the zone because those two playing at the point in the offensive zone are so good. And, and man, can they shoot the puck because and, – and it's a hard thing to stop a shot like that, especially with bodies in front of the net. and Tips happen a lot. That's, that's what San Jose is good at. And, and that, that – how, definitely helped them in this series and helped them be successful during the whole regular season too. Mm-hmm. And definitely the San Jose goalkeeping, Martin Jones just definitely kept them in the series. He made some pretty crazy saves alongside Flurry and definitely stepped up his game. Uh, oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, that was just a super fun series to watch. Um, but going on, uh, the Dallas Stars beat the National Predators four to two in that series. What are your thoughts on that? 
You know, this one, this one was surprising to me. Uh, Dallas during the regular season, they, they looked pretty average to me. Uh, I mean, towards the end, they were better, but I mean, look through the whole Western conference. They really didn't seem like much of a threat, especially against a team like the Nashville predators. But I don't think Pecorine played as well as he might've wanted to. I think he let in some soft goals there against Dallas. And also a big factor was uh, guys like Jamie Ben and stuff really stepping up and Tyler Sagan over there. They, they really stepped up their game for the playoffs. They brought it and, they took some criticism during the regular season for not necessarily producing the way they wanted them to and the way they probably should. But this in the playoffs, I think they were really the, the series altering factor. And I mean, the, the Dallas defense played well too. The goalies, the goalie for Dallas played solid. I mean, overall Dallas just put together a, a great six game effort and that's why Nashville's out. And I mean, Nashville's a good team, but but, I mean, Dallas just outplayed them and their D really shut down the, the Nashville forwards. So I think that kind of led to the upset. Yeah. I agree with you on everything you said. It wasn't the most exciting playoff matchup, (laughs) but I mean, it was kind of fun to watch the goalie match, but that one Pecorino and Ben Bishop are two pretty big goalies and they're just pretty dominant um also kind of fun to watch also just because it's the winter classic matchup for next year so it's kind of a cool taste but yeah dallas they just wanted it more in that one predators just didn't play their best hockey and so dallas came out of that one but moving on to the last one uh st louis blues beat the winnipeg jets four to two in that series yeah, I mean, this one, I mean, the, the Jets are the same as Calgary. They got a high-powered offense. They got guys like Patrick Laine up there that could shoot the puck. They got guys like Blake Wheeler, who's crazy good playmaker. I mean, you watch him on the power play. He sets up on the wing. They send him the puck, and he can find just about any open guy, if there is one, to, to set up goals. And that offense is really just a huge threat Uh Unfortunately for them, Hellebuck didn't play the way he did during the regular season, I thought. And the Blues really took advantage of that. Vladimir Tarasenko really stepped up for the Blues there, which is a guy that's a key for them. He's a definitely a key player in helping them in, in any playoff series or really any game, even if it's the regular season. And also a guy who I think, at least for me, I'd not – is the, the backup goalie there, Bennington, he really – he played out of his mind in the whole playoff series. And, I mean, I, I got to give it to him. He, he stepped up. He shut down that Winnipeg offense. And I think St. Louis's D really helped with that because they're a very stingy defensive team. They really shut down the – they especially shut down the slot area to make you shoot from outside. And – that can be tough, especially for a team like the Jets, who are not a team like San Jose. They don't like to shoot the puck from outside a whole lot. They typically try and set up the nice, nifty little passing plays and 
all of a sudden you hit line A or Wheeler on the back door and boom, it's in the net before anybody hardly even saw the puck. And I think St. Louis is a really good defensive team on that part. And like I said, Bennington stepped up in net and really helped to push them through and get past the Jets. Yeah, I think that was pretty much the biggest factor in that, the defense. And Bennington, he just has an unreal record this season. He's such a good goalie. And he was just – he has all the confidence. And going into the playoffs, he was just not letting up whatsoever. And the Jets just couldn't get anything going on him. And so Blues prevail on that one. So now you got the second round starting up here. So uh, let's just kind of go through each of the four matchups here and kind of pick who do we think is going to come out, maybe like how many games you think they'll win it in. So I guess let's start with the Blue Jackets and Bruins. So for that one, I mean, obviously – the Blue Jackets have proven you can't count them out in any series. I mean, had it been going in and I'd known, okay, Blue Jackets and Bruins are playing at the start of the playoffs in the first round, I'd pick Bruins in a heartbeat. Now I'm not so sure. And, I mean, I think they really stepped up in game one. I But they proved that, that is, that's going to be a good series. That one's going to be a battle because, because Boston was up and – Columbus fought right back into that. And it was kind of cool to see the former wild player, Charlie Coyle really step up and he's not, he's not had a lot of success, especially this season with the wild. He had a hard time. He got moved to Boston during the end of the regular season. He was kind of a no factor a bit, but in the playoffs, he's really stepped up. I mean, he's actually leading the team in playoff scoring right now in Boston. Uh, So that's good for him, but Remember, it took overtime. It took a tying goal late. That one, I think, is going to be a battle, and I think is going to go six or seven. Uh, but I think in the end, it's, it is going to come down to in front of their home fans in a potential game seven, and I think that's a huge factor for them. Yeah, I would agree with that. The Jackets definitely can't count them out. They've proven themselves big time in this class, but also I think kind of a big factor is – They've been waiting around a little bit for their their opponent in the second in the second round. So I think Boston might have a little bit of advantage just because they've been playing they've played three more games than than the Blue Jackets have. So they have a little bit more, I guess, experience just battling with a team. So I wouldn't say that's like the biggest factor, but I think it is it keeps them consistent a little bit and, and so I think um, I'm going to go with Boston probably in six games just because I think they've just got more experience, I would say, and I think they can prove themselves better than the Jackets can. So, But I do think that one could be a toss-up game. I think the Blue Jackets could possibly bring it down to a game seven or whatever, but uh, I think I'm going to go with the Bruins in that series. Uh, then – Going on to the other game in the East, the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Islanders. Yeah, so this one, I think this has the potential to be a very good series. Now, New York's a very good team, but Carolina's bringing it this year. They've got the passion, and that that crowd in Carolina is 
unreal. It gets so loud there during this playoffs in the first round. It was insane. I mean, I think there was there was a t- one point in the game where Carolina scored to go ahead and in game three or four, and there was a whistle on the ice and you couldn't even hear it because it was so loud in there. Uh, so I think no matter who comes out of this series, I think it's going to go to seven because I really don't think Carolina is going to lose at home. Uh, and game seven, I'd say it's a toss up, but I think the Islanders have a little bit of an extra edge uh, as far as their offense goes. So in that, just compared to Carolina, they've kind of got, they've got guys who can score on other lines, but I mean, their major threat is Aho, and if the Islanders can find a way to shut him down, I think that's going to be a, a tough thing to overcome for Carolina. And so in that series, I'd take the Islanders in seven. Yeah, I agree. Um, this series is going to be definitely a battle, and both teams are pretty much very good at home, uh, especially the Hurricanes. Well, both teams haven't lost at home and so far in the playoffs. So I think this is going to go to game seven as well. And I think just because of the home advantage, I think the Islanders are going to prevail. Um, but the Carolina Hurricanes are definitely going to put up a huge fight in this one. Also, kind of like the other one, they've played seven games as opposed to the Islanders. They've only played four so far. So we'll see how big of a factor that can be in this series, but I'm going to go Islanders in seven for that one. And then over to the east, we have the Colorado Avalanche versus San Jose Sharks. Yeah, for that series, I think I think the Colorado offense is just going to overpower San Jose. I think guys like Landeskog and McKinnon can move the puck so well. They're such skilled players, and I think they're really just going to make that San Jose the collapse on themselves. I think especially the speed that that Colorado brings every game, it, it's just so hard to play against, especially for a team like San Jose with guys like Brent Burns and Eric Carlson on the back end. Like I mentioned a little earlier, they're very good offensive defensemen, some of the best in the league. But I do think that they are a little slower on defense. They can be a, lazy, a little bit lazy. And I do think when the other team has that the kind of speed and skill that Colorado brings, I really think that uh, they just can blow right past guys like Burns. And I think that's going to be a huge factor. I think, I think the goalie matchup is solid. Both guys played really good first rounds. So that series, I think it could be good. I think in the end, I'd take the Avalanche in six games. All right. So, looks like we got our first uh, disagreement. <laughs> I'm going to go <laughs> Sharks in this series. Um, I think the Sharks, they like we kind of talked about before, they have some good offensive defensemen. So, and like I said, I mean, they just kind of clean up pucks. But also, I think they have some pretty nice players in, like, Timo Meyer and Thomas Hurdle. Uh, they're just – they're very good players. And I think this is going to be a close one, though. I think I think the Avalanche could 
force a game seven. Just because home advantage um, and just because they've kind of proved themselves, I'm going to say the San Jose Sharks are going to win. And I'll say probably six or seven games. I'm not sure exactly, but I think the San Jose Sharks will come out of that one. But it'll be a, it'll be a really fun uh, series to watch. I think both teams, they're going to both be really into it. I think we could see a lot of hits and extracurricular activity in that one. Yeah, yeah. The Sharks like to play physical. Their D are always fun to watch play an offense. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty cool on that side. Martin Jones has played out of his mind. He's he's a solid goalie, and he's he's proven he's a solid goalie. So I really think that is big X factor for the Sharks if they can keep playing that way and if the D can keep scoring. Uh, and the Avalanche have have some young guys, some really skilled guys, and their offense is always fun to watch. I mean, whether you like them or not, it's they're always there. They're some of the they're some of the best forwards in the league, and kind of got to respect that. Kind of got to just see how they play because because they're so good. And I think that series really is going to be fun to watch. Yeah. So going on to the last match for the second round, we have. Dallas Stars versus St. Louis Blues in this one to Central Division teams. What do you think is going to happen in this one? So this one I think could be interesting. Like I said, Dallas's offense really stepped up. The big guys like Sagan and Ben, are, they played solid. The, the Dallas D shut down Nashville. They, they played solid. Uh, so, I mean, they – They've been playing good hockey through the first round. St. Louis, I think, also they, they've got some solid forwards too. I think I think in the end, I mean, you've got you've got uh, Ben Bishop as a Vesna trophy finalist. So he's proven he's a good goalie. Jordan Bennington played an unreal first round and end of the season. I think I think the goaltending matchup is just about a draw. I think both teams are stingy defensively. But I think it's going to come down to St. Louis having a bit of an offensive edge, and I think, I think that one could go go long as well, like six or seven. But like I said, I think St. Louis has that little offensive edge with Vladimir Tarasenko as well as uh, some of the other pieces to that. But Tarasenko is a big factor. Him stepping up in the first round really helped them, and. I think he carries that over to the second round. So I take St. Louis and seven in that one. Yeah, this is going to be a close series, I think. Uh, like you said, Bennington and Bishop is going to be a really fun goalie match to watch. They're not really letting anything in. So I think there not, might not be a lot of goal scoring in this one. Uh, I think we could see some overtime games in this series. I uh, would not be surprised to see any of that. But – I don't know. It might not be the most interesting match to watch, but I think the Blues are going to come out. Like you said, they've just kind of been more consistent, and the Stars kind of snuck their way in, into the playoffs and past the Predators. The Predators just didn't really perform that well. So I'm just going to say the Blues. They've been more consistent. Their goaltender is unreal right now, and they're just getting it done when they need to. So I'm going to say Blues and six in that series as well so 
now we'll see what happens in the second round. Definitely some very good matchups in this one. I think we both kind of said six or seven for every single series. So, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be really fun to watch. I think we're definitely going to have at least at least two, maybe, I'm going to say, game sevens out of these four matchups. But it'll be really yeah. fun to watch. I really think this round is going to be fun to watch. I think all these series have the potential to go seven if if the teams play like they did the first round. I mean, all, all the teams played so good. So, so I really think you can't count anyone out. I think really this year, I it really looks like the cup could be – everybody has a shot at it. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. Is there one team that you kind of would like to see – win this or a matchup you'd like to see in the finals? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Columbus is an interesting team to watch. I, I like the fact that, you know, they're a little bit of underdogs going in, uh, especially playing a kind of juggernaut from the past, like Boston. Uh, I think that could be fun, but I think the the number one team I'd like to see have some more success beyond what they had in the first round is the Carolina Hurricanes. I think they really, they really had a hard time up to this year. Over the past offseason, they essentially said they're doing a rebuild. They said they were going to blow up the team, said basically everyone that was on the trade block. They weren't supposed to make the playoffs this year, I didn't think, and they kind of came out of nowhere. Then they take on the defending Stanley Cup champions in the first round, upset them, and Game seven, double overtime. I mean, I I thought they were so fun to watch in the first round. Uh, as, as a Wild fan, I've, I've been a big fan of Nino Niederreiter, too, and he played a stellar game seven through overtime. He was unreal. I thought for sure he was going to score the game winner uh, for the second time in his career. Thinking back to playing against Colorado with the Wild. But, yeah, watching a guy like that and Sebastian Ajo, just seeing him play is so fun, but just overall seeing an underdog team like that, if, if they were to go all the way, that would, I'd love that. That'd just be cool to see. And regardless of what happens, even this next round, they're going to be a fun team to watch. Definitely a, a threat to a team like the Islanders or anybody else who they play through the rest of the playoffs. Yeah. It'll be really cool to see them move on. I definitely would say uh, the team is in the West. I pretty much hate them all, so <laughs> I, I, I can't even pick who I want. To yeah, I, there's no way I could pick a team out of the West that I'd root for. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I'm just going to say I would – I personally would like to see the Islanders win it. Uh, I think kind of like your reason, like the Wild had Nino Niederreiter in the past, but I would say – Looking to the future, the Islanders have three prospective free agents that the Minnesota Wild could pick up this year, Brock Nelson, Everly, and Anders Lee. So I think it'd be really cool to see one of them just go far in the Stanley Cup. And they're just kind of a fun team to watch and kind of a dark horse. Even though they're they're a two-seed, many people didn't really think they were going to be very good coming into this year. So, Yeah, I mean – uh, the Islanders are a fun team to watch. I love to have, see some Minnesota guys have some success too. That's that's always a lot of fun to see. I I mean, <laughs> those are guys that 
you know, I probably watched in the high school state tournament growing up and stuff, watching them play on the ice. So, so I mean, I, I love to see some of those guys have some success too, but, but yeah, I think no matter what happens, it's going to be fun to watch. I think anybody has a shot at it. Even the underdog teams such as maybe Carolina or Columbus, or even the Islanders, like you said, they've kind of been considered a bit of an underdog team because they, they, their lineup doesn't necessarily line up with some of the teams like Boston or Colorado or something with that high powered offense. But it, I, I think they are a solid team. They have a chance to really do some more damage moving forward. Yeah. So second round's coming up. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll be back in the third episode of our wild puck pod with, the conference final matchups, our predictions based off of then and any other news or whatever we get from the wild free agency, the Iowa wild playoff run, and also the any other news on the NHL draft upcoming and where we think players might go in a couple of weeks. But we'll see what happens in the Seneca Finals second round. And we look forward to you coming back for the third episode. And thanks for listening.